0: Listening Room, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of sound, presented by KEF. My name is Jack Sharkey, and I'd like to welcome you to The Listening Room. This podcast is brought to you by KEF, For musical perfection is not just a passion, it's an obsession. We've got a very cool episode today, especially for anyone who has ever spent any time listening to the Allman Brothers Band. Over the summer, I was invited to the Big House Museum in Macon, Georgia, for a special guided tour with the museum's curator, Richard Brent. The Big House was the home of several members of the Allman Brothers and a command center of sorts from 1970 until 1973, and it became a museum in 2009. The collection within its walls is amazing, whether you're a diehard Allman Brothers fan or just a fan of music from the classic rock era in general. So, uh, let's take a visit to the Big House. Richard, thanks for, for letting me come in today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? i doing real well.
0: So, the Big House uh, opened as a museum when? Uh, December of 2009 is when we. we okay, so you're about seven public. years in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So still fairly young for a museum.
0: Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking around and, and the collection that you have is is just amazing. And I've only made the first floor so far. <laughs> um, was it easy to gather up all this stuff? Yeah, you know, um, Kirk West, who um, was a gentleman that owned this
1: house, him and his wife, Kirsten, purchased this home in um, around 92. Oh. And um, Kirk, of course, worked for the Almond Brothers band, he was one of the, the road managers. Right. And um he'd massed quite of a collection himself and when this house became available he was able he knew the significance of the home. So mm-hmm. he, he purchased the house. And um it really just, you know, they lived here, the fan club kind of started out of here. Right. Um hitting the note and all that jazz. And uh, you know, Governor Mule even started in this house that- as well. Um in the mid nineties. But um yeah, eventually um Kind of What planted the seed for all this to happen is fans just started stopping by, ringing doorbell. That's you know? what
0: I'd always heard that it was kind of an organic thing that yeah. people just would come up and knock on the door yeah, and want to come wanted in. To see
1: the stuff, That's and they fantastic. Just kind of planted the seed for everything. <laughs> and then, you know, in a nutshell, uh, the Big House Foundation was formed. The foundation then purchased the home from Kirk and Kirsten and their collection. And then, you know, it took a, a few years to remodel it a little bit and uh, not too much changed, but you know, certainly. A lot of work, a lot of hard work went right. into it, uh, by so many too many people to name. And
0: um, so yeah, we opened in two thousand nine and we're So is there a history to each of the rooms? Like we're we're standing in one of the one of the rooms to the side, you know, to the left of the entrance, where where do we know where a certain maybe they rehearsed or where there were certain songs were written and well, you hit it right on the head, you're standing in the rehearsal room. This was the rehearsal <laughs> yeah. room. You can kinda of feel the vibe. It yeah. Is. So yeah um,
1: uh, hot Llanna was worked up in this room. Oh, it's giving um, me chills. Yeah, that was the you know the great instrumental off of Phil Moise, which you're yeah. looking at the, the original road case to the
0: album cover right there. Oh, that's fantastic. And
1: uh, yeah, quite a few uh, other great songs are written here. Um, the biggest hit, Ramblin' Man, was written in the kitchen. Was so, written in the kitchen. So the lyric rolling down Highway 41, that's Bindville Avenue. That's this right 41?
0: The See, I always thought it was for 41
1: in Florida, you know, but... Uh, well, 41 runs up from here all the way to Atlanta and Forty-one. I can take forty-one on in Florida too. Okay, so. well maybe that's why. Because
0: actually, the hotel I stayed in, in Atlanta was on forty-one sure, last night. Sure. So okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well back in, we didn't have this interstate running through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, a lot easier to was get. just getting, getting built, probably. Who knows. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but yeah, um, you know, right behind you, across the way, is where Blue Sky was written. So you got some really good old Sunday morning bells ringing everywhere. That's a. Look out the front door, you'll see the church right across the street.
0: Oh my goodness! And that's and you look at these windows and and just the light. You can only imagine what it must have been like to kind of kick back and and write and write the lyrics to that song. And well, that's yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Kind enough to pin the lyrics for us there,
1: so we keep them right here. So you can stand right here. And, Of course, you know Sandy guy was was
0: his girlfriend right. and then wife, and uh, so you get to see their wedding picture right there. Now, uh, in having always just read things over the years and and talked about it, right, and that was one of the ones they did, did dickie and Dwayne collaborate on that uh to was my information correct that that he was kind of on unsure of the song or the way it goes and and they sat and collaborated on it or
1: well yeah i mean Dwayne certainly encouraged dickie to sing yeah uh, dickie was was nervous to sing and and then there is um there are rehearsals of them working the song out um, right there's a you know, we don't encourage bootlegs, but us tape traders out there, we all know about the Gallenberg <laughs> session. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's an incredible thing to be able
0: to hear, you know, yeah. working the song out. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's Dickie's song, but... Right, and I bring that up because it's, you know, two of the greatest guitar players and, and certainly song craftsmen of, of their generation and generations to follow. And to think of the two of them sitting in this room kind of just jawing about that song is phenomenal. Right. And, yeah.
1: you know, and, and plus it's just really... It's, you know, it's a it's kind of a country song. Yeah. Um, from the you know where the brothers were at with their music, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you have this this amazing song, and it just kind of further shows you the the ability that right. Wayne Allman had. To, uh, to As far as his playing, whether it was R&B, rock, jazz, and now country... Well, I that's mean, a cool that's, thing, too, because yeah. it's a
0: country song, but if you listen to the guitar lines that they play, especially coming out of the lead section, that's mm-hmm. something that a big band would have done with their horn leads in the 1940s. Right. And it's brilliant, and a lot of people don't catch the fact that there's so much jazz influence in there as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's always
1: been the key ingredient. I mean, you know, the last... Last session stuff Dwayne did was Herbert Man's Push Push. Yeah. You know, so you, you,
0: you listen to that song and then. You know, who knows where Dwayne would have taken that, you know. It's amazing to think. Yeah, you know, 24 years old, where, where we would have gone in the last 45 years. It's just amazing. And I just I saw the laid back. That's where we met uh, last month up in Nashville. And, I, um, and I'll and i tell you, Greg's got a smoking band on the road this summer. Boy, oh, boy.
1: He does. They're all great. Yeah, you know, just phenomenal. Yeah,
0: Scott Sherrod's really
1: coming to his own as a player. He's always been a great player. But yeah. He's, uh, you know, getting to shine. And, you know, Marquion is on the – Percussion. Yeah. Just the entire band. Everybody in there is great. And Peter Levin on keys. Peter. Whoo, he's a monster keyboard yeah. player.
0: So and O'Teal's yeah. on the road this summer with uh, Dead & Company, and, company, and it, yeah. he's digging
1: that. And, and... Butch is doing, uh, Butch is pretty busy. He's doing uh, the freight train band, and then he also has LaBrayers, which, LaBrayers is an amazing band. It's, it's, it really is the Arnold Brothers rhythm section. <laughs> you right. got J-Mo, Butch, uh, O'Teal and Mark is all in the band. Oh. You got Jack Pearson on guitar. Oh really? Yeah. Pat, yeah. Uh, Pat um, oh, they're gonna kill me, but get Pat's last name at the moment. It's still early. But, it's uh, early. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat on guitar, and then Lamar Williams Jr. singing, and uh, Bruce Cass is also in that band too. Yeah.
0: So that's an amazing. Line. Yeah. I saw, saw mos Jazz Band at Laid Back, and, and that was awesome. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. If anybody gets a chance to Jamos Jazz Band, you got to do it. It's it's so it, fun. It's, it's, it's great. And it's and so the beautiful. way that they had us up at the festival is is I was. Maybe ten feet away from him, and he's yeah, one yeah. of my all-time heroes. And I've met him once, and he's one of the most beautiful men I ever met. And then just to see him sitting there doing his thing on a hot yeah. summer Nashville day, it was awesome. Absolutely, yeah. yeah Jamie O'Nova,
1: this he's so amazing. He can he can meet you one time, and you don't see him for twenty years, and he'll tell you exactly where he, he met you last. Yeah, year. You know, it's, yeah. It's
0: just a beautiful guy. Yeah. 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 So, um, all right. So then the band was here from seventy seventy three, and well, then they uh, and then they bought the property. They, they, they had the, the farm that was like it's near High Falls or a little bit north oh, of here? Oh, Juliet, yeah.
1: No, yeah. But that was, you know, the brothers and sisters used. Right. You know, so, you know, after the deaths of uh, Dwayne and then, then, you know, Barry, um, when they left here, that's where they went was to the farm. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're I guess years.
0: at that point, even being in the house here was probably just too much of a drag. And, you know. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, you know, the truth is they were evicted from here. So oh, <laughs> just really? Like, you really? Know, I mean, <laughs> it's not like they didn't have the money
0: everything. It was just the time. It was just time to go. Yeah, know, so we're yeah. Out here to <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Oh, it's a whole different age, a whole different time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So what's the coolest thing you've got in here? that, that Like people, if they make the pilgrimage to come down, it, they, they really need to spend some time and just kind of gawk at.
1: Well... You know everything, really. I mean, you know the unique thing about this museum is that you get uh, get to see so much great memorabilia. But then also the way it's set up, especially once you get upstairs, the real feeling of the home takes over. I mean, you got Dwayne's bedroom is eighty five percent original with his furniture and bed in there. Yeah. The Oakley Suite's the same way, but you know my favorite thing um, is no secret. Uh, It's been the honor of a lifetime
0: to. Take care of Dwayne's gold top there, but it's an honor to be able to take care of all the items in here. But this guitar, you know, this and this, it's like a magnet because when I I walked in here and I saw this and then I saw this drum set and it was it was everything that I had ever really gotten excited about music just came rushing back in in one yeah. second when I saw this guitar. Yeah, yes, it's,
1: it's the priceless piece of rock and roll history. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, from the session work in Muscle Shoals when Dwayne got it. Um, You know, then on into the first album, self-titled album, right. Idle Wild South, and of course, with Derek of the Dominoes. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and that's like, you know, I remember clear as a day, and this is the beauty of music, and this is the beauty of why, you know, why we, we get involved and do this, because I can remember clear as day sitting in my brother's Corvair, listening to the 8-track, Wild South, and, and now I'm sitting here just on the other side of the glass from the guitar. It's yeah. it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah, course you see it Probably the best
1: photo of, of Dwayne playing. That's uh, actually Criteria Studios recording out of Los. Oh, that's a Criteria. Okay. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, and it's uh, and again too, you know, and in the Tom Dowd family and, and how he was, in, how much importance he had to the band and to Atlantic Records in general, and it's just an amazing, an amazing story. It truly
1: is, and that's, you know, back to the original question a while back about. Um, <laughs> But you know, was it easy to get this stuff? So the answer to that question is, yeah. I mean, because um, there was such a passion with this band right. um, that that fans, family, band members, roadies—they just hung on to everything. Especially with the deaths of Dwayne and Barry. I mean, yeah. Um, so it, it was very personal to them because this band, this sound, this was this region's this area this city this town this was their band it right. was their sound it was their music right they didn't necessarily probably want to share it with the world I mean yeah. it was too too good to contain obviously, right but you know Yeah. but, it's, but it's, that's what's so special about it and that's why all my brothers' bands are so passionate you know especially in this area you know it's just the you know, I'm a brother fan, this is the Mecca, man. This is the place
0: to be. You know, when you think about it, even driving down the street and, you know, if you take a little bit of a tour, get over to the old Capricorn building and, and all that, and it's just it's the explosion that came out of Macon and the gift to the world that came out of Macon is, is something that you don't find often in a lot of different towns and when you find it in a town that was as small as Macon was in 1969 it's amazing all right. just amazing
1: yeah. yeah well then you know you think that uh, you know Marshall Tucker Band was signed on the spot right down the road at Grant's Lounge and you know you had all this great music from you know uh a local favorite is a band called Steel Water and you know, a Grinder Switch. Right. You know, Wet Willie. You know, Delaney and Bonnie. And
0: I saw a T-shirt from uh, the Allman Brothers and Grinder Switch in New York on yeah. November 27, nineteen seventy five. Was the first time I ever saw the Omer Brothers band right. at that exact show. Really? Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, that's um, cool. Awesome. Yeah. That was on us.
1: That was Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I had to fight my parents to so let me go to that show. On
1: well, it's you know the, on the back of that shirt, it's a special shirt because. Uh, Whenever the band, you know, especially in New York, you know, they were, it was hard to get people to do stuff on holidays, so when, when you know, the Almond Brothers would be willing to do anything, play anywhere, anytime. Right. So actually on the back of that shirt is a notation of it about being uh, Being Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. promoters were always good to do stuff like that. Yeah, it was,
0: that was a, just a great night.
1: But also, uh, while we briefly writing here. You know, I was talking about you get little subtle touches of the house being a home, but this is a picture of little Brittany you know, obviously sitting right there. Right next there. there. Yeah, wow. She was saying about her father, Barry. This was 2.30 uh, in the morning. He was up having, uh, he was a big tea drinker. Okay. And so she was saying they were going to go out on tour. So she was up saying to her dad. But yeah, right there, I mean.
0: And one of the greatest stories ever, um, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I think I read it maybe in the Sky Dog book, was he had, Barry had gotten this giant stuffed bear mm. for for her, and they were coming in from you know Phoenix or west somewhere, and everybody's cramped up in the van trying to sleep, and he insisted that the bear was there for you know for his daughter and stuff. using uh, his picture, and he's, he's it. it's just fabulous.
1: Yeah, Barry was a sweetheart of the bunch. I mean, he was always uh, writing home to the girls, uh, sharing their experiences, yeah. letting them know that they're okay. And uh, wow, what a what a time back in. You can't. Yeah, we wouldn't know what to do without a cell phone these days, no. you know, and here we have pen and paper, you know, <laughs> pencil and paper, right. I used to say, you know, and just proof that we, we used to write.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and then you think about it too, this is a single black and white picture, like I, on my phone right now, I got six, seven, eight hundred pictures, I don't even know what I got on there, but here's a single white, you know, black and white picture from 45 years ago or whatever yeah. that just absolutely tells the entire story of that absolutely. cat's life. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah,
0: it's amazing, yeah, it is. so cool. Yeah, and then now the pool table. This belonged to Greg and Cher when they were married. No kidding. Now when they when
1: the band was here, they on the third floor is a ballroom um, that is currently our offices. But that's where the band had a pool table that was on the third floor. Okay. And uh, they would have obviously parties up there and hang out and all that fun stuff.
0: So how was the neighborhood and how were the neighbors? Are are there because the band was so beloved at in at Macon. Well, it was a rock and roll band in a house in the middle of the neighborhood. Was uh, everybody get along okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it was
1: it was curiosity probably more than anything. I yeah. mean, I mean, they took their fair share
0: of abuse. People yelling at them, you know, long hair, right. hippie, you know, whatever. But because you think 1970 in Macon, Georgia, looking the way these guys looked, it was probably not that right. normal. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and you know, and um, so yeah, but but. No, they, they quickly were uh, accepted and loved by the community. Right. And, you know, not by everyone, but, you know, the truth of the matter is they were bringing too much money to the region to, to mess with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have proof right here. This is uh, one of my favorites. So under the glass, we have all kinds of just odds and ends, but this is a cash check. It says Dwayne's Wild Ride. So this is uh, Bobby Wallace, who worked for Phil Walden, writing willie perkins who was the band's tour manager okay um this is uh hey man i need a couple hundred bucks to tighten up this Dwayne thing and that's right. what they was talking about duane went out on the town one night and racked up about a hand of, uh probably about 12 traffic violations on his motorcycle <laughs> just you know
0: speeding up and down the road right. or whatever being Dwayne, you know, doing guy. his thing yeah. yeah so
1: there you know Dwayne's wild ride oh that's
0: know? that's phenomenal January, it's January 2nd, 1970. I can only imagine, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, the way the museum's set up is that uh, we have timelines, you know, now we're in the 73, 74, and you just get to see great stuff from those eras. Um, you know, obviously the largest concert in American history still, yep. Watkins Glen, New York. Over 600,000 people with, with the band and the Allman Brothers
0: Band. And the Grateful, and Dead. The Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And then this, yeah, that's the shirt that we're talking about right there, phenomenal. And then the jacket. That's yeah, the, yeah, Lamar's that's jacket Lamar's from. from jacket. Yeah. He's
1: actually wearing the.
0: Yep. the picture there with the President Carter. Yeah. And then when you see it up close, and you and you see the stitching, and the and it just it's it just speaks to the to oh, the period yeah. so well. It's that's just so cool. one of my
1: favorite pieces. So clothing-wise, I think it's probably my favorite. And yeah. It's just it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, this bass Lamar used in the band C Level, which was a great jazz fusion band. Right. That, uh, with Chuck. Chuck Yeah. And Lamar, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, what a great band that was, too. But we have various instruments hanging here and just just great memorabilia. You know, shirts from the area, jackets. You, know, you got Jack Pearson's in the butt right there, the strap body with the telly and neck. And it's uh, O'Teal's first bass he used in the band. Hmm. And, and a wonderfully teal shirt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah man. Awesome. Have, Dickie's Alvarez, Dickie's SG, Derek's SG, Warren 61, Les Paul Reissue, and then of course a fan favorite yeah. the Woody years. This is Alan Woody's uh, 18-string bass, uh, commonly known as Thor. Thor. So, yeah, it's a, it's a beast.
0: Yeah, it's just so amazing mm-hmm. to sit here and look at it and, and you think back you know the, the, the sounds you get out of it and yet that's how we got those sounds uh, yeah uh, yeah so and i was digging on this because this the the, the eight track tape player right so was this the was this the house stereo system sure
1: there was one you know one that was uh here um it's old school we got another one upstairs and when the casbah room which is a favorite of all of ours um uh, which we'll see here in a minute. Uh huh. But, but yeah, this is just from the era, you know,
0: one that they would have had and hey, listened
1: to the eight track. You know, you radio. love it.
0: It's a Radio Shack eight track tape player combo unit and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. stereos have come so far and everybody's so picky about what they have. And then you look at these musicians listening to they throw an eight track in at them. You know, yeah. I know
1: there's, uh, it's kind of funny because you have some, uh, some overly wealthy athletes are now opting to have like you can still get eight tracks put in like into your really so, like I was watching something uh, on one guy and he had a Ferrari and he just had an eight track player installed. <laughs> so. But it, it, and I was thinking because I get so many kids, even your know, college kids from Mercer down the street, they, yeah, they don't know what these are. They don't even know what they, they are, don't are,
0: right? Yeah, and you know, it, it, what you do, it's great because in my mind, what, right next to it, we should have a matchbook to to keep the tape from. <laughs> Yeah, so vinyl made a comeback, why not 8-tracks? That's right. That's great.
1: So I'm coming back. So yeah, you know, tons of great stuff.
0: So what a cool privilege it is that this is how you get to spend your days around this. And just, yeah. you know, totally immersed in, in, in that whole vibe and that whole feel. It's really... And for me just to be here and, and be able to chat with you is is just so cool. Because it's it's, it's just us and the equipment, you know, and, and the vibe. Absolutely.
1: And yeah, this was... uh. Barry's amp head here. This is Dwayne's amp head, and then we have the receipt from Lipla Music where they purchased them. Wow! And this one has Heartbreakers on it because Greg was married to Jan Blair, and her brother happens to be Ron Blair. And this was during the Laid Back years. Okay. Um, so if you own the Laid Back album and you look inside that, open up. Right. Um, the lady on the horse beside Greg is Jan Blair. Oh. Okay. Um, when when Ron got the gig with Tom Petty.
0: Right. Just, you know, he brought that Greg, amp along. Yeah,
1: he asked Greg if he could use his brother's amp.
0: Man, think of the stages in the in the, in the music that's played <laughs> through that amplifier over the yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely, that's amazing. You know, and that's a that's a Fender Blackface. Not to get too wonky on people, but um, so that's got to be pre-1968, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Cool, man. Showman's a great amp. So yeah. Basement's a showman. Yeah. And, you know, so cool. We can. Uh, We can geek out
0: on the stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I always have to be careful because I tend to get real, real wonky on stuff. And and I have to realize that really there's only a couple people in the world that really care about a pre-CBS Fender. (laughs) And that'll end part one of our visit to the Big House Museum on Vineville Avenue in Macon, Georgia, and a a special uh, private tour for our listeners uh, given by curator Richard Brent. Uh, part two, which will take place upstairs, you can hear us traveling upstairs as we kind of faded out part one, and uh, we'll talk about the living quarters and some of the more personal aspects of, of what, what went on at the big house, and we got some really cool things that you're going to want to check out, and that'll drop next week. Meantime, we're going to have some other Allman Brothers specials on the blog this week, and, and of course, you can always stay up to date with all things Kef by following us on Twitter at Kef underscore America, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Kef America. You can also drop us a line at the listening room at Kef America.com be sure to check in for part two of the big house museum podcast special event with the listening room meanwhile my name is jack sharkey and this is the listening room and we'll see you next time